Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,666. Today we're playing with vintage Ferraris, restoring vintage Ferraris, and driving vintage Ferraris. It's going to be fun. Sit back. Here we go. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! I'm very revved up and very excited today to be talking to a, a guest calling you from Appleton, Wisconsin, by the name of Dustin Wetmore. Hey, Dustin, welcome to Cars Yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am indeed, Mark. Let's get rolling. All right. We'll have some fun. We're going to be talking about cool old Italian cars, specifically Ferraris today. But before I give you a proper introduction, Dustin, I want you to share one little thing that most people don't know about you. I would say the most common thing that people don't know about me is I have some non-automotive racing history. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I Several years ago, I decided I wanted to quit smoking cigarettes. And the most practical way to do it for me was to create a habit that was completely opposite of that. So oh. I started running and that running led to, um, instead of running races like 5Ks, 10Ks and half marathons, I went straight to a triathlon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I got two of those under my belt and then I started doing running races, and so far I've got probably two dozen half marathons and a dozen or so 10Ks, dozen or so 5Ks, and then I've done two fulls and then about five regular triathlons. Wow. Well, congratulations, first and foremost, for making a major, major change in your life to become healthy. That's tremendous. My father-in-law sir, uh, smoked for many, many years, and I remember we were... My wife and I were pregnant. Well, she was pregnant, but I guess I kind of was. I was responsible, at least, with our first child. And she made a comment to her dad. She goes, Dad, you know, you really can't smoke around the new baby. And he thought that meant that he wasn't even going to be able to see the baby unless he stopped smoking. He totally sure. misunderstood it. And she'd been trying to, and her mom had been trying to get him to quit for years. He was in the Marine Corps for 35 years, and, you know, the people around him smoked and everything. And so he just quit one day and her her mom said hey you haven't smoked today and he goes well i decided to quit so i could see the grandchild you know what's ironic about that is uh, my, my mom told me that her dad my grandfather did the exact same thing wow that's that's uncanny yeah well i tell you it was the greatest thing and he did say it was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life and this is a, this guy was a very tough marine i mean he'd done a lot of things three tours of duty and uh, active duty in vietnam and uh but it was the best thing ever. I mean, you could just see in the first year the major changes just to his physical appearance. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, his teeth, his skin, his eyes. And he said one day, I can smell my food. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, yeah, so? And he goes, no, you don't understand. I haven't smelled food in decades. That's all accurate. Uh, that was easily one of the hardest things that I've done. It took... All, all said and done, it took three years of, of working at it to 
to gradually wean myself away. But yeah, the the, the physical changes, you, you feel better, you can breathe better, you taste, you smell, your clothes don't smell, yep. your cars don't smell. It's it's just, it's, it's an easy habit to begin and it's a difficult habit to break. Well, I really take my hat off to you. I've never been a smoker, so I don't know how hard that would be. But the fact that you did it the way you did it, you decided, okay, what's the opposite of sitting and smoking? Running and breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, Dustin. Just fantastic. Yeah, really, really proud of you. Uh, there are you, any listeners out there that are still smoking. This guy, give him a call. He'll help you walk you through the a very important change in your life. Let me give you a proper introduction here. We're going to dive into some questions. Dustin Wetmore is a Ferrari expert at Motion Products, where they care for and restore award-winning classic cars. Founded over 30 years ago in rural Wisconsin, MPI has become one of the world-renowned names for all things when it comes to classic Italian cars. With hundreds of awards, he and his talented team have restored over 500 fine automobiles. Dustin started working with cars a year out of high school, first in car audio, and then as a mechanic for Skip Barber Racing School. He attended tech school, worked at dealerships, and then he met a very cool guy who I had the honor of meeting once as well, Wayne Obrey, who was the founder of Motion Products. And it was there he found his true passion, and he grew with the company in his skills and his duties. He's a senior Ferrari Club of America judge, researcher, and current secretary of the International Advisor Council for the Preservation of the Ferrari Automobiles, just to name a few things that keep his dance card busy. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Dustin Moore, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yacht possible. Give him a little love, and when we come back, we're talking cool Ferraris. Sit tight. Did you know that Covercraft is much more than car covers? They offer protection for the inside of your vehicles as well. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, Covercraft makes a floor mat, a cargo area protection product just for your vehicle. Their plush custom fit floor mats turn any ride into something special. Their premier Berber custom floor mats, which are a favorite of mine, if you want something very stylish and unique for your favorite ride, they also have Weather Shield floor liners that provide ultimate protection for heavy dirt mud snow and slush their carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great but keep your rear cargo area and seats protected from the kids the pets or whatever's going on back there do you have a pet that destroys your vehicles covercraft has you covered for that too with a wide variety of pet protection options is your vehicle getting a little long in tooth there's no better way to give it a new car look than with a custom fit floor and trunk mat I replace mine every few years with something a little different just for fun. All your options are easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Don't forget your trunk too. Custom fit trunk liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain, tear, and damage your carpets. Check out Covercraft.com for the huge number of styles, colors, and options that you'll love. And I've got a deal for you here at Cars Yeah. If you use the Yeah 120 code at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order on me. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, 
and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're a racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, you found Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. Four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, all wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to talk about the 24. This wine earned 91 plus points from Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. It's a dark, spicy, and velvety blend with ripe blue and black fruits, and very smooth tannins. The label features a three-dimensional full metal chronograph in a bright gold finish that pays homage to the Daytona Rolex winners received at Le Mans. The Racing Series is a fantastic gift for the ultimate enthusiast in your life. And I've got a deal for you today. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word, all in caps, when you're at the adoberoadwinery.com checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout to get $10 off your purchase of the racing series today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to Adobe Road Wines today and use the code CARSYEAH at checkout. Cheers! All right, Dustin, as we continue on this journey we call your very cool life, I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tire smoking a little bit here on Cars. Yeah, Dustin, I know you've driven a lot of cool things, so grab the wheel. Well, there, I've got two of them. Okay. One of them is is really a, a personal uh, a personal mantra that, that resonated with me when I was quite young. Uh, it's... It's no matter where you go, there you are. For me, there isn't any real direct correlation to any feeling or thought or experience. It's really more, it launches something to be, you know, it means to be introspective. So all of my experiences and responsibilities and decisions and everything have brought me to where I am right now, whether I thought I was ready for them or not. And you can't shed that. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you made some bad decisions here and there, you have to you have to choose to learn from that and move forward or you have to choose to carry that on your back and that that saying for me sums up those feelings and that just uh I, oddly enough, um I I heard the line in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, really? No <laughs> yeah. kidding. Wow. I mean, yeah, so I I've heard it tied to Confucius. I don't know if that's true or not, but um I heard it and I'm like, "Wow, well, that's interesting. That makes sense." So, yeah. For you, does that quote have something to do with 
making the most of where you are at that time and not taking it for granted? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, there, there are a lot of times, uh, I remember specifically working, uh, working here in motion as a mechanic and I was, I was really struggling with something. Um, it, it was engine related and I was getting frustrated and I, I just took a step back. I looked at the black wrinkled cam cover and I thought, this isn't a Volkswagen Jetta. You get to struggle <laughs> with this until you figure it out. It's okay. You're going to be fine. And then, and then after that, I, you know, I just worked through the problem and it was fine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Dustin, uh, Tommy Kendall's been a guest here on the show twice. He actually interviewed me on my 1000th show and he had a similar kind of quote. He says, it's similar. And I'm paraphrasing wherever you find yourself right now, you're in the right place. And that meaning kind of tied into the fact that even if you're in a bad place, because he had that horrific accident that brought him out of racing and took him into a new career, he said, there's a reason for that. There's a reason you find yourself in this place right now, but don't worry about it. It's the right place to be for you right now, which kind of tied to what you just said a little bit. Oh, sure. It, it really does. It's, 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 there's, there's ways that you can work yourself through anxiety or work yourself up with anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And it's easier to work out of it than in it. Yeah, absolutely. Now you said there was a second quote or mantra. Do you want to share that with us? I, I do. I do. Yeah. It's, it's more of a professional one. There's, there's a, a gentleman named Stephen Costello uh, that I believe you interviewed uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, he's a motorsports consultant that we work with uh, quite frequently on on some of our more competition-based projects uh, that that are they're more geared towards modern racing. And uh, he had always said, "When in doubt, ask." It's, it's <laughs> super simple, but. In practice, it can be difficult because it, you there are certain instances where you're working with your peers or your superiors, and you don't want to come across as being maybe ignorant or or maybe not as as educated or as sharp as as you want to present yourself to be. But in a lot of cases, that that's okay. It's it's better to admit that you don't know something and and then learn something than it is to act as if and then get in trouble and then have to try to rewind from that. Oh, absolutely. I always say if you don't know the answer something, say, I don't know that answer, but I'll get it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, instead of kind of bull, you know, wetting your way through the answer and then people smelling that and going, guy doesn't know he's talking about it, it destroys all your credibility moving forward, which is completely unnecessary. Yeah, uh, I think it was even um, the gentleman who started and founded Virgin Airlines and Virgin Records has a quote is, you know, if someone asks you to do something and you don't know how to do it, tell them you'll figure it out and then go go do that and figure it out. Don't tell them I don't know how to do that. You never know where that that will take you. And that kind of is a nice segue into what you do at your career there, because you've worked your way through all sorts of different aspects of from the beginning guy to probably sleep, uh, sweeping, sleeping on the floor. Maybe you did that too, sweeping oh. the floors and then working through. So tell us a lot more about, now I know a lot about MPI, Motion Products Incorporated, but tell our listeners more about all the fun and fantastic vehicles you and your team, a very talented team, by the way, get to work on because you guys are so renowned in this industry. Well, it, it's good to hear that that positive feedback is, is definitely traveling because um, we, we do we do work hard to to provide our clients with excellent products at the end of the day. There's a couple of different ways that we have to look at it, too, because 
we are after all a business, we have to look after the business case that our client has brought us. And if, if that means that it's a, a dollar not to exceed, we have to find a way to budget that project to that, to that dollar. Whereas we also have the alternate where it's, you know, just, I need it done to this quality level, do what you need to do. And uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we're done. So there's that aspect, but then we also have to balance that with authenticity and overall quality. So not not only do our cars have to appear authentic, feel authentic, look authentic, but they also have to work. And you have to be able to get into that car, fire it up, and it has to make all the right noises, and it has to it has to perform as the steer stop and go straight in the line without vibrating. So it it takes. In, in order to work on some of these marks at this level and and consistently produce restorations that that are award-winning nearly out of the box it, it takes a lot of dedication from an incredibly talented group of people I'm blown away a lot by how nonchalant some of these guys are where it's <laughs> it's just ingrained in them this is well it's just what you do this yeah. is how you do it yeah, it's, it's incredible to me. And let me ask you this, when it comes to what you've seen in changes in the restoration world, especially at the high level and the caliber of the cars that you do, has there been a shift in, let's say, the last 10 years of not only cars being restored, but more so the way they're being restored, how they're being restored, and how collectors are looking at these vehicles because you see it on the lawns at places like Pebble Beach, Amelia, and all the other great Concours events, even around the world. There's a lot going on and has been for about that time period in preservation versus what we now call over-restoration in many cases. There, there really has. The first and foremost, the term restoration, I think, is still up for in some circles up for debate as to what that really is <laughs> sure the way that we look at a full restoration is where you dismantle that car down to the last needle bearing and every single piece that comes off gets attention or service down to that last needle bearing and you know where where a restoration may have been just a scuff and shoot paint job and maybe some new carpet and you know clean the engine bay that that would be considered a freshen up in between services at this point. But then to to go to your your point about over restoration versus preservation, that that's also uh, an ongoing, almost moving target. Uh, I, I know before I got into this, there there was a bit of a trend to to over restore, where you intentionally made your gaps perfect, and the the paintwork was was block sanded and wet sanded and polished so that it looked like a piece of glass. That's that's certainly not the case anymore, especially when you're working with competition cars, and even more specifically, competition cars from that were built in Italy by various coach builders in the the northern region. You 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 have to really. Uh, dive into how that car was made by the specific coach builder to make sure that you replicate that paint finish, for example, correctly. If, say, for example, you're you're uh, restoring a car built by Vignale, there, if, if it's a coach-built car that maybe ended up at, at Turin or Paris at an auto show, you're going to be serving that car and that, that car owner to have that paintwork look pretty good i mean it's it's good it, they they would have block sanded it they would have wet sanded it and polished the the nitrocellulose lacquer but then you go to the other end of the spectrum and say let's stick with vignale they they built the four mexicos three coops in one spider 
the, the color pictures that we've seen of these cars indicate that they they weren't treated to that stand that level of, of attention or they, they weren't overly polished and they weren't show cars they were tools so when we restored uh, 022 Ford uh, not that long ago we we took that and we went with it when we painted the car so it's it's painted in a single stage it's not base clear and we did it straight out of the gun we didn't block sand we didn't wet sand the, the finished product we just you just basically denibbed it so that it's it's relatively flat but it doesn't look like a like a jewel but then and you know the counter is is you can go to the next coach builder pin and farina for example they were a little bit more fastidious the the standards were higher the production quality was was a bit greater and you can kind of work back and forth both ways between it being a little rougher and a little smoother. So that's all. those are all things that we have to incorporate in the restoration. And those are things that the judges are really keen on. And there are guys that, that look specifically for that. Um, there, there are judges that, that key in on upholstery uh, fit and finish and, and material type. And then there are judges that, that key in on, on the type of paintwork and uh, whether you nickel chromed or, or flash chromed your, your trim work or if you triple plated if you use copper uh in the plating process that that's going to affect the final outcome and that that's a factor in authenticity yeah absolutely oh two two four that's the 340 mexico the 52 uh 1952 ferrari 340 mexico is that that's right? correct yeah yep. Ooh, pretty car <laughs> yeah that was such a unique uh style on that car and the fact that it went racing made it even more special when you when you see the car, it's got this weird combination between almost obscurity, brute strength, and then grace. It's I don't know how Michelota did it, but he managed <laughs> to encapsulate all of those factors into this. In, well, those three the three coupes are are very very similar. Yeah. I won't say they're identical because I know Vignali didn't use patterns for anything really other than the windshield. So all three of them were, would have been subtly different, but they're they're just they're they're so unique and i i got when we restored that car i kind of got mesmerized by it uh, when we had it in bare metal when you just looked at how the car was built it was fantastic oh bad it's it's so beautiful and the way those fenders kind of pontoon out a bit make it so unique and different as well almost like what's going on here what was the thought process here but very very special vehicle i love it well one of the things I always like to ask my guests is to share a big challenge in their career, their life, and this is more about how they overcame it, what it taught them, how they came out in a positive way. So take us on one of those trips where life was a bit challenging for you, Dustin. Well, there are two instances that I can think of. The first would be back in 20, I think it was 2015, I want to say, uh, we were presenting cars at the Cavalino Classic and um, I ended up presenting seven cars that morning, wow. back to back to back to back to back. And it's I've I've presented cars at most of the, most of the shows since then, but it's usually only one or two, sometimes three. And that's that's a big morning. I mean, you you really got to have the show book ready, and you've got to have all of the points that you want to cover with the judges. It's like okay, they're going to ask Donovan's going to ask about that. I know Dick Fritz is going to ask about this, and I don't know about Scott, but you, so you gotta you have to plan for the judges that you have, and you right. have to have all that in your head. And then to do that seven times, at the end of it, I was I was brain dead. Oh, I can't even imagine the stress. Oh my gosh! So what what that and I, I, 
was almost junk for an hour after that. I just had to sit down and have a coffee and just kind of <laughs> yeah. reflect on what just happened because it felt like I got hit by a train. And my takeaway from it was be careful to how much you commit to because yes. <laughs> you may think that you can handle it. And, and in fact, you might be able to handle it and you might, in fact, get it done. But at what cost? Did you did you put yourself in a position where you've compromised your, your own quality standards? Did you put your customer in a position where you didn't give them maybe the best that you could have mm-hmm. so that there's a professional track to that? This particular day, everything ended up pretty well. Uh, uh, six of the cars hit Platino. Uh, one of them did not. It was it was a, a 12-year-old restoration, and it was a driver car. So it, after after a while, you just that, that expectation's a little bit too much. And then one of them was Best of Show GT. So I, mean, I did okay. I mean, I, I got I guess the job so. done, yeah. and, <laughs> and everybody was happy. But man, it, it, it was it was just a it was it was a rough morning. <laughs> well, Cavallino is such a wonderful event, but super high pressures, incredible competition with the level of automobiles that come to that event. John and Alicia Barnes do such a wonderful job uh, at Cavallino. I've had the luxury of being at several of those events. I'd love to be able to go every year because it's just a, you know, and they snuck by the COVID monster early this year. We'll see if they can get away with it again with how things are going in the future because it always takes place in January, but it's a wonderful event. You mentioned maybe another one you wanted to share perhaps. Uh, yeah, uh, it's this, this one's a little, this one hits a little bit more personal, uh, personal and professional. It's uh, simultaneously mm-hmm. when, when we lost Wayne, the, it was, that was a, a really challenging time for the shop because we, we were getting uh, a lot of, a lot of questions as to, okay, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to keep going? Can you keep going? And, and the challenge we had was to first grieve the loss of the matriarch of the company and mm-hmm. be with his family. And at the same time, look after the business that he started. And we got together and like, okay, look, there, we've, we've been doing things one way. We really need to take a hard look at how we're doing them. Can we sustain uh, the organization the way that it's structured now, or do we need to make some changes? And we chose to first and foremost, yes, we absolutely have to keep going. Hook or crook, we're going to keep going because that's, that's what Wayne would want us to do unquestionably. Uh, that's what Debbie, his wife, wanted us to do unquestionably. So it was that was a tough time because we had to really be honest with ourselves and and ask, okay, what you do every day, is that too much or is that not enough? Or is that even the right thing? Is is your skill set being applied properly? And it wasn't just me asking that question. That was everybody that was in a, at a management level or uh, or a, a team lead level. Mm. So th- there was there was a, a good period of, a, I would say, a solid 12-month period where we were really looking at ourselves hard and trying to fix the plane while it's flying hmm. is the yes. term that we used quite often. And, and it's, it's tough to do, but um, I, you know that it's been several years now. Uh, we've, got, we've got guys in key places. We've got team leads in all the departments. And uh, we're, we're constantly trying to improve communication because I don't think that that's ever – I don't think you ever get to a point in an organization where you're Oh, that's good enough. I think no, it's a dynamic <laughs> that's ever changing and moving that, and with personality traits too. I'll tell you, that's a wonderful testament to what Wayne created and also the people that he brought into the team and the fact that all of you folks that are still there realize the importance of taking three steps back, perhaps looking at what needed to be done and then being able to carry forward because many times in these shops, environments, 
they're really run by one guy. One guy controls everything. And when that guy's gone or he decides to bail, everything falls apart. But the reality is when you build a business, you want to be able to build it so it can operate without you being there. That brings the real value to that business. And that's what he did. So kudos oh, hats off to Wayne. precisely yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely at the time there were uh at the time of Wayne's passing there were two owners uh himself and and bill murphy bill still owns uh, a majority share of the company and he had uh he had a second or he still has i guess essentially a second uh his name's jim waller he's our gm and essentially our cfo so bill was working with jim and bringing him along and training him to run the business and and look at it from you know 30 40,000 feet and then Wayne was training me to handle the the technical side of the cars themselves so to to do research to work with the, the owners of the cars to to get plugged into the judging community and be able to handle the the, the car end of it. So you have to be able to look at both of those disciplines, the car end and the business end to have a successful restoration company. And it's that succession planning that I think has put us in a position now to take another good run. And, and we're looking, we're, we're planning for decades, not for months. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, my hat's off to you. Many, many small companies don't even have the wherewithal to think about that, much less the concept of it. So uh, you guys definitely are poised for greatness for a long, long time. It's a great thing. It can continue to bring wonder and joy and preserve these wonderful, fantastic cars for all the collectors and their caretakers in the future. So my hat's off to all of you. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to dive into your personal passion for cars here, Dustin. So we'll just stay seated here in this nice Testarossa or GT or whatever it is we might be at 340 Mexico. And we'll be right back. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen, damaged, or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324 and protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. Let's step away from the conversation to talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through automotive-related events, car shows, and drives. Among those nonprofits is RPM Foundation, a terrific organization working to keep our favorite collector cars on the road. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down 
from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. So far, they've awarded more than $3.5 million to restoration education projects across 35 states. Incredible! To learn more about RPM or to donate to their mission, visit www.rpm.foundation. You'll be glad you did. All right, Dustin, we're back, and I'd love for you to share a story that instigated this personal passion that you have for cars, that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a bit of a car guy. Well, I, and, and leading up to the interview, I, I had another, uh, another, another memory. Uh, this was when I was really young. I want to say third or fourth grade. I remember the comic cartoons. Oh, yeah. I used to get those, and... I was I was such a young young little kid. I I didn't really have a concept of what the car hobby was. I just I liked the artwork and the types of cars that that he was drawing and the situ you know reading the comics and the situations was was really cool and I thought that was fantastic and I started sketching these kind of things in school and so that was my earliest memory of that. But then I think where it where the hook really got set so to speak would be before I started working for Skip Barber Racing. A buddy of mine that I went to high school with, uh, he got a job with them so that he could get a discount on racing. So if if you worked for Skip Barber when they were up and running full steam, you could be an employee and you would get a discount on your three-day racing school and then you would get a discount on lapping days and then race weekends. And and a lot of guys would use that as as a, a means to get into the industry. Almost, it, I wouldn't say backdoor, but it was a, a nice path so that you could get a step up to the pro series and then from the pro series you would you would look at indie lights or atlantics or you know if, if there was some significant talent there you could go to cart right. so that's that's what my buddy was doing and he said hey you know we're we're just uh, we're just getting started up here at road america you should come down and see what's going on so i had never been to road america before that was the first racetrack i'd ever been to so i i show up and i go up to the the paddock area where the the main pit uh, pit straight or i'm sorry the main pit and the front straight are and they're running a three-day school and it had to have been the first day because it was a downshifting exercise Mm, nice. So you've got all these <laughs> four. Uh, there was like twenty or so. They're Formula Ford chassis, no arrow at the time, uh, and then Michelin treaded tires with uh, single cam Chrysler two liter engines. They were out of the neons, mm -hmm. and you got these cars ripping up the front straight and then breaking and downshifting and then coming down the the pit lane the opposite way, doing the same thing. So they're just running a loop. And I'm just, you know, I, I was, I was stood back before I, I came and when I went to find him, and I'm just watching this whole thing go down. Like this is, this is awesome. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm looking at, but it, this is cool. And you know, you've got the, you've got the, all the cars are going through the, the, you know, upward gear changes. They got the super trap exhaust, so it's, it's got a good sound to it. And then you've got the blipping, a lot of grinding because it was a, you know, their straight yeah. cut gear. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I was just, I got a huge smile on my face. I remember it. it was just grinning ear to ear. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is something I think I can do. I think um, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think where I knew I was going to be doing something with cars for, 
for my career. For a long, long time. You know, yeah. you mentioned cartoons. That was originally uh, Robert E. Peterson's publication. It started back in 1960. And most recently, I had a guest on, uh, Mark Mathot, and he is now the editor-in-chief of cartoons. He bought the rights to that. That had pretty much gone defunct. And now he's brought it back, and he's found some of the old artists that did those wonderful drawings and things. So you can actually buy cartoons again. So if you have kids or are going to have kids or you know kids, uh, or if you're just a big kid like I am and Dustin, <laughs> you can still get your hands on those and have some fun. What What was your first really special car in your life, Dustin? Um, well, I don't know if it's really be considered special, but <laughs> my very first vehicle was was a 1984 Chevy S10. Uh, it was just a regular cab, long bed, four by four, and. It was uh, what I came to understand later on was probably one of the worst engines that General Motors produced. But in any case, I really remember that car vividly or truck vividly because it was my first. Plus, I learned basically all of my car control skills from driving that truck in the winter in Wisconsin. Yeah, especially a truck with the yeah, light yeah, back exactly. end. Yeah. And shortly after I got it, the, for, the transfer case uh, took a dump and I basically had it uh, bypassed. And we took the, some of the prop shafts out and it was just two wheel drive for about three years. So again, to your point, you've got this light bed. It, it's just nothing but oversteer. And you, you get to a point where Instead of just trying to drive straight, you learn how to just weave the back end back and forth down the road when <laughs> it's you got six to twelve inches of snow, and then you just get around that way. And, mm-hmm. and it was invaluable as far as teaching car control. Cool. Now here's a bit of an introspective question, Dustin. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car parked in your shop there, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, your attributes, what would Dustin be and why? I am Without question, a Volkswagen GTI. Okay. Why is that? Well, I've owned two, and I, I had a Mark II for a while, and then I, I, when I got out of tech school and I needed to buy a toolbox and some tools, I sold it and uh, and, and paid, <laughs> paid the rest of my debt down for my, for my tools. And then I had a Mark IV after I got established at the dealership. I bought it brand new. And I drove that car for 15 years, and I put nearly 200,000 miles on it before I, before I sold it off. And I did everything with that car. It was incredibly, it was, it's small, it was quick, it was versatile, and it didn't put up, or it didn't put up too much of a fight when I asked it to do things <laughs> it didn't really want to do. It's like you, right? Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I like to think that I don't put up much of a fight, but maybe there, you know, maybe my wife would <laughs> she differ might, with me there. Yeah, I'll have to give her a call and ask her. <laughs> what, what, now, what year was that, the GTI you're thinking that you might have attributes to? I still think I'm going to be more related to the Mark II. Mark II? Um, okay. Yeah, it, it's got a good mix, of, it, aside from the fuel injection, which was pretty problematic. It's, it's got a good mix of modern and or analog and digital because, I mean, there, it did have a little bit of OBD to it. Not you know not enough to really be terribly helpful, but it did have that that aspect to it but then there it was still very analog where it was mechanical fuel injection with a little bit of electric help and and it was just just a fun car to drive i i really wish i could get find one that's in good shape again yeah so i think that version was mid 80s to early 90s kind of yeah yeah something like that yeah my wife and I, our first new car we bought together right after we got married 1984 was a jetta gli uh, which was kind of the Jetta version of that, sure. you know, Golf. And wonderful car. We put, lot, I mean, way over 100,000 miles on that thing. 
And my first new car was a 79 Scirocco, first gen Scirocco, uh, oh, which nice. is n- another great car. I put a yeah. little over 100,000 miles before I sold it, drove it all over the place. Great fun. Not a car you see around anymore. They most of them rusted away and long gone, but both two very reliable and fun cars for sure. Nice, nice uh, idea there. I like that. All right. We're entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off some questions, kind of a lightning round here. Quick little blips of that Jetta, or I should say VW GTI Mark II throttle here. So here we go. Yeah, I'm thinking about that old white car. That was cool. I wonder <laughs> if it's still alive out there somewhere. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? Um, I really, I, I'd tie this back to, uh, to, to the running and, and training for those races. Uh, the, you, you've got to get up in the morning and even if you don't want to, and you got to put the mileage in, you got to put the time in, uh, and, and the same thing for anybody's career. If, if you're, if, you know, Malcolm Gladwell had said it takes approximately 10,000 man hours to become proficient and good at something. And if you don't put that time in, if, if you don't, decide to get up and and go at it every day someone else can take that from you and take your opportunity so i i like to treat my job like i'm training for another race where i i've got to go at it as hard as i can every day yeah yeah well i'm working on that with guest number 1666 today that that, there you go I, i figure each show probably maybe takes around well, actually, I might be there when I think about the time it takes to prepare, get it all done, record the show, and then edit the show. Maybe I'm there finally. Maybe I know what I'm doing. I hope so. I'm trying. I've, I've listened to a number of these podcasts, and I, I got to say, you're you're a very good interviewer, so I think you've got <laughs> the, the time in. Woohoo! There you go. I've been uh, qualified by Dustin Wetmore, so I am- <laughs> what that's I, worth. I have my certificate. I'm hanging that on the wall, baby. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Uh, th- I, I had a hard time with that one because uh, th- I've got a couple of good ones, but- I want to stray away from someone that's passed because it's that's an impossible thing to do. Uh, I want to I want to talk to somebody that's still with us okay. and a guy that I want to talk to. I'd like to have a drink with Dyke Ridgely. Uh, mm. He's uh, he's the caretaker of um, I believe it's a Walton collection. I think they're in Arizona. Yeah, talk about a nice collection of cars. It, it, it is, and Mr. Ridgely has accumulated an incredible mass of knowledge when it comes to cars in general, but Ferrari specifically. Uh, I know he's written a number of articles in the past in, in Cavallino and various other publications, and he's just a wealth of knowledge that I would I would very much appreciate the opportunity to tap into. Cause yeah, yeah. That's, that's one thing that I, I really uh, have, have learned over the years is you've got to tap into those that are experienced and that have come before you, because even if they're not directly related to what you're doing, they've got things to teach still. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have him be a guest on this show. I haven't quite figured out how to get to that guy, and I know the Waltons can be a little bit private. It's the same with uh, the gentleman who takes care of Ralph Lorenz cars that, uh, you know, Big Dad Garage, I think is what he calls his garage. Yeah. These guys that get to be around this stuff and care for it and learn about it know even so much more than the owners in many cases, all the oh, little sure. idiosyncrasies because the owners are busy with all their lives and so forth. Now, when it comes to automotive advice, and let's maybe relate this to collecting these fine automobiles, is there some great advice that you've been uh, told in your life that you might want to pass along? Um, I would say to do 
as much digging and due diligence as you can. I mean, if, if you're referring to specifically uh, acquiring a car, yeah. if you're looking for, let's, let's say, for example, um, uh, a California Spider, you want to trace back as much history as you can of all the cars that were produced and get to know them and, and understand what were the idiosyncrasies between the long chassis and the short chassis. Did some of them have specific histories that are that are more desirable than others? I mean, that just in this particular context, that would lead you towards the competition cars and then the alloy-bodied cars versus the steel-bodied cars. So that way, you're armed with is you've got enough information or more information than what you need to make a good decision because the the key is making good decisions. And if you if you know the history of the car that you're looking at and there aren't any uh, any gaps in, in timeline or there aren't any um, weird configuration changes that can't be explained physically or with paperwork, that may not be the one to go for. But, you know, on, on the other hand, if you, if you like a project, then that could be a way to, to identify <laughs> that car as a project. You like to like, spend money. That yeah, would be a I'm, great I'm gonna, <laughs> choice. Yeah, I'm going to save that car. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you, I've had some amazing collectors on the show here. You think about John Shirley, Chip Connor, some people that have some amazing, amazing cars, Fred Simeon. And they've all said the same thing, exactly what you said. You got to do your homework. And they've all said, I've made major mistakes in buying certain cars. And I did, it's because I didn't do my homework. It was usually earlier in their collecting career. They've come into money so they could go out and buy what they want, but they didn't take the time to fully vet and really learn about the vehicles. And those cars ended up Coming and going, and in many cases, not being the right choice for sure. Now, when it comes to resources, is there one in particular that is a go-to for you that you'd suggest others listening might uh, seek out and have some fun with? From the, the technical, from the hands-on perspective of, of looking after a car or even restoring a car, I find myself going to Carol Smith's books quite frequently. Uh, Carol Smith wrote a, a number of books on preparing racing cars. Uh, there's Engineer to Win, Tune to Win, oh, Prepare yeah. to Win, Drive to Win. While we're working on road cars, they were built by a company that was primarily geared to build racing cars. So I like to try to carry those philosophies over into how we restore cars here and treat them just because realistically, you know, if you look at some of these cars, they're they're slow moving aircraft. There there isn't a lot of difference between. So I, I like to go back to that and read certain sections that are applicable to what we're working on and. If it's not something that doesn't already ring familiar, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I should make sure I incorporate that in this process or make sure I keep an eye out for that when we're doing that service. There's that. And <laughs> McMaster Car is is uh, <laughs> is a fantastic resource for, for parts and pieces. And, and it gives you some good descriptions so that, you you know, if you're picking hoses out, that you're picking a hose out that's applicable to uh, maybe chemicals or fuels or, or if it's just air or water. That's a great resource as well. Yeah. Yeah. Both great. Carol Smith's books are awesome. Well, nice segue into my next question. And that is, is there a particular book you might suggest our readers, our readers, our listeners read? <laughs> well, this one's more, uh, I wouldn't say entertaining, but it, well, it, it was entertaining. Okay. I, I got quite a bit out of it. I come from a, from a different perspective on it. It was Luca Damonte wrote a book on Enzo Ferrari and it was, I want to say it was like 999 pages, but just an incredible book on the man. And he really was able to dive about as deep as you could go into how he functioned as a person, uh, his his story, the challenges that he had to overcome, both in his personal life and his professional life. It gave me a better sense of how 
the cars were actually produced and the purposes that they were produced for. Um, it, it just it gave me appreciation of his single mindedness when it came to to winning and kind of inspired me in a way to to look at what we do here every day to make sure that we're doing it to the best of our ability and and treat it like a competition. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, interesting. Entrusted very special cars to you guys to make sure that they continue on in the reality of what they were and what they were meant to be. All right, Dustin, we are up to the checkered flag here. And this last question might be a bit of a doozy for you. Could be easy. We'll see where we go. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. Anything in the world. If you guys restored it, it's going to be yours. If it's in someone else's garage, it's going to be yours. But there's some rules, as you know, being a listener here, that you have to abide by. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with i want you to drive it and enjoy it no garage queens no dust collectors allowed here but here's the hard part it's the only one cool collector car you can have so it's got to tick a lot of boxes so what am i buying for dustin a wetmar today i've narrowed it down to a long wheelbase california spider oh Uh, okay i won't even be picky about headlight configuration you can do (laughs) open light or covered light i'm okay with both you're okay with you're not picky nice thanks a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, you know it's such a beautiful car iconic car one of these cars that's been made famous so many times in so many ways of course most people think of ferris bueller's day off of course most of us now know that wasn't a real one but the concept was there the long wheelbase let me ask you this I mean, there's so many different configurations of these things. And when you look at a bunch of them lined up, and I've been lucky enough to see not all of them, but many lined up and you go, okay, each one's a little different. Why the long wheelbase over the short wheelbase? Well, a a few reasons. One, I believe the long wheelbase is is just a bit more stable at speed. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way they feel when you've got the shock absorbers tuned properly provided that they're the Hoodale level uh, lever, lever shocks. The, the the chassis itself is so stable and so smooth. It's just, it's such a pleasure to drive. And also from an aesthetic standpoint, the overall concept of the car stretched over a longer wheelbase, it, to my eye, it, it works better. It doesn't feel as, as cramped. It's, it's allowed to kind of spread itself out. I would agree. As long as the top is down, the top is really ornamental and I think really just keeps it dry in case you get caught out in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and another nice thing about those cars is really aside from maybe the Mille Miglia, they're event el- eligible for basically any driving event in Europe or in, in the States. Yeah. So it's a great dual purpose car. Ah, oh, they're beautiful. Now, so that I get you the right one, because there are a few of them out there these days. Is there a color or a chassis that you might be particularly looking at since you're a stickler for authenticity? Um, well, wow. I know. (laughs) That's a, that's a tough one. Uh, 1451 GT, uh, that one I I really do. I've driven that car and that was my benchmark car when we finished that restoration. That one's got competition history. It's, it has Le Mans history. Is that the one with the big number 16 on the side, the silver car? It, it, yeah, it is silver. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. He, I've seen that driving on the coast during the Pebble Beach tour. Yeah, Bob Grossman raced that at Le Mans, and I've got some really good pictures uh, from that race that we used to uh, when we restored the car. And from what I can tell from the photographs it really wasn't done the they had seats in it 
and that was about it. That was it, yeah. <laughs> but we had a full, basically a full upholstery. Uh, it was it, they're pretty Spartan to begin with, but it did have a full upholstery in it. Um, and I, I I drove that car with Wayne, and he, he would we took it out and. He said, okay, this is it. This is how this car is supposed to feel. And, you know, he would explain to me how I should be feeling the bumps and, and what type of brake pressures I should be feeling in my foot. And then, you you know, you reach down, you check the free plate of the clutch and the brake to make sure they're set. Because once everything heats up, those those clearances are going to change a little bit. Right. And then he got out and I hopped in. I took it out. And so, you know, the, the seat time is really important. And I will, I'll remember that drive and how that car felt. And then I compared it to basically every California that we've had in here so far. There's uh 1055 is also a good one. I like that car a lot too. Uh it's it right now it's gray with a with a tobacco interior. But that was a fun car to do. I got to uh, speak with the original owner, uh, Stephen Deck was was the original owner from uh, from Texas. And he asked me if we were painting it the original color combination. I said, "No, the, you know, the the owner of the car would would prefer to go gray." And he, and he said, "Well, it was never gray." I said, "Well, you know, that's that's true. We we talked about it. I sent him spray samples and it just it just wasn't for him." Yeah. Like, "Oh, okay." So, it, the, the color combination, I think I I really liked the um it was it was Ross it, I believe it was Rosso Rubino, uh, Metalizzato. Mm-hmm. And the upholstery color would would have been natural. So it was basically just an undyed, just a, a tanned leather. It was fa- actually fairly common for for the long wheelbase cars. There, I, I want to say there were like five or six of them that were that were done in that combination. But I've seen it uh, in the prototype. If I remember the the chassis number correctly, 0769. Uh, when that car was done, it was that combination, and I thought, yep, that's it. That's it. Huh. Nice choices, my friend. Ah, beautiful, beautiful cars. Absolutely spectacular. Well, thanks for giving me a couple options here. So when I start dialing for dollars, <laughs> dialing for cars, <laughs> maybe I, I might have trouble prying some of these out of some of these guys' hands for you. Uh, but I'll do my best. I promise. That's all I can promise. Dustin, you've taken me on an awesome ride. This has been great. I really want to thank you for sharing your life and your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Today, before I let you go, though, could you offer us one little parting piece of Wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that long wheelbase cow spider. Well, one thing I keep telling myself when when stuff gets a little a little challenging, just just keep digging, just mm-hmm. keep going. Um, I've uh, from the the cycling aspect, I've I've told my wife several times, just keep pedaling. And yep. the worst thing you can do is is stop trying. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep trying, keep pedaling, keep moving forward. Uh, Use Dustin as your inspiration. If you're trying to stop some kind of unhealthy habit that we talked about at the beginning of this, smoking, drinking, whatever it might be, he's a good example that it can be done. What's the best way for people to keep up with you and Motion Products Incorporated? Well, we we do have a website uh, that's mpi-ferrari.com. We just uh, we just rebuilt it over the winter it's and beautiful, launched it. Beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, great job. That's pretty fresh, and and Kylie's working on our Instagram page. Yep. There is there is a Facebook page that that we're uh, that we're updating on, and we're putting blogs to. Um, the the neat thing there is is we're going to start building content on some of the tougher things that we've had to that we've had to build. Um, I know we're working on uh, a brake dust shield for uh, the Maserati A6 GCSs. Uh, mm-hmm. How we came about making one of uh, a pair of those for yeah. restoration, and then otherwise there's there's email dwetmore at mpi 
mpi-ferrari.com and uh, or just give me a call at 920-725-4688. There you go. And I wanted to give a shout out to a Cars Yeah listener, Amanda Marie, who suggested mm-hmm. that we connect. Yeah. Very nice of, of her. And uh, listeners, you can find everything that Dustin has shared on the show notes page. I encourage you to check out this company, MPI, fantastic work. Their website's beautiful. Follow them on Instagram. You can see all the cool projects, Facebook, everything that they do out there. And you can see how much fun Dustin and his team are having. You can dream of having one of these wonderful cars in your garage someday. Dustin, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and your enthusiasm and passion. Until you and I talk again, my friend, and they let us all out of lockdown, I'll see you down the road. I appreciate the opportunity, Mark. This was great. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!